You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. Ooh. I was about to say no technical difficulties, but we already had to go no. back to the front desk. I mean, it wouldn't be bad at boundaries without mild technical difficulties that give us anxiety immediately before starting. I'm glad to see that some things don't change. Yeah. Forced growth. Forced growth. Welcome back, by the way. Yeah. Welcome to season two. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh my God. How was your summer vacation? Really quick before we start talking about boundaries here. What'd you get up to? It was so good. So I was on a road trip with a friend, Mm -hmm. um, tagged along with a group of her friends, actually. Um, So I only knew her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there were seven of us kind of wandering in and out for the week. So we were out in BC in the Okanagan. So we were doing outdoor activities. We went to a couple wineries. Mm -hmm. We spent almost no time on screens. Like the only time I was looking at screens was when I was taking photos for the most part. And then like (laughs) maybe a little bit of reading at bedtime. I also sent you quite a few TikToks because I missed you while you were gone. It was crazy. I cannot (laughs) promise to have watched a single one of them. My heart is broken. You know what? That's it. We're ending the podcast right now. We we actually didn't have good enough service to load them. Oh, shit. (laughs) So every time I opened TikTok, I was like, "Mm, great. What's just kidding? Well, I sent you some, some fire posts. My screen time stats after that week were amazing delightful I was so proud of myself oh my god well my screen time stats were atrocious like I think at one point I got a notice that my screen time went up like 40 percent my which screen is crazy. time went down 85 <laughs> percent <laughs> well like you you got to get away I kind of I did the mm-hmm. thing where it was just like stay at home and I kind of like retreated back into you know, like the pandemic where everyone was like, stay at home, do nothing and just mm-hmm. like chill. That's literally what I did the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Like I, I I, think I told you my challenge was to not be productive because I am so bad for the second I have any free time. It's like we got to fill it up with something like heaven forbid I'm alone with my thoughts for more than 30 seconds. So you're saying today's topic is uh, <laughs> you had to learn to set boundaries with yourself this week? Yes. Well, Honestly, I learned to set boundaries the whole time we were on break because Mm -hmm. I told you I wanted to be very intentional with my goal for myself was to actually give myself a break because I Mm -hmm. never allow myself a moment of rest. And I'm starting to realize that as important as it is to be like, you know, have goals and set them for yourself and go after them. It's also really important and equally important to have the rest, like rest Mm -hmm. as hard as you work. That is something that I didn't learn until literally the last few weeks. So this week, we're going to be talking all about boundaries around setting goals with yourself, how to achieve them, and forgiving yourself when you fail or things don't turn out the way you wanted them to. And this is actually a request by a friend of mine, Hannah. So shout out to you, Hannah. Thanks for submitting this topic. So (laughs) where do you want to draw the line first? I think I want to first talk about how we go about setting boundaries with ourselves Mm. because I am the queen of unrealistic unrealistic expectations for myself and for others but definitely for myself so the reason I'm actually at the job I'm at currently Mm. is 
in my first tech job, I did not set any boundaries because I had worked <laughs> there for a month yeah. when everything went remote in 2020. So I immediately thought I was getting fired and I was like, I have to do (laughs) the best job ever. And I just come from teaching and like the work-life balance was not great. Mm -hmm. So I had zero boundaries. Mm -hmm. I was always available if, even if I was on a day off, Mm -hmm. I wasn't on vacation vacation. I was usually just like doing errands. So I was checking Slack Mm -hmm. on my days off when things opened up and we were able to start doing like road trips. Yeah. My friend and I were on a two week vacation and I checked my email every other day. That is falling into a trap right there. And then I don't actually end up doing good work most of the time because you're Mm -hmm. so tired. You're always context switching and then you're not actually focused on anything. Mm -hmm. And then at the company I'm currently at, in my last interview with one of the co-founders of the company, I kind of mentioned that I was working on just being accountable about not letting myself get to a burnout state. And he was like, oh, yeah, we talk about perfectionist tendencies all the time because they don't help anyone. So we encourage mental health days. Like we have there's people you can talk to Mm -hmm. if you want resources or anything. Mm -hmm. And at my last company, when I had talked about (laughs) my perfectionism tendencies, they're like, well, you do a really great quality of work. So then it adds that expectation that I have to continue producing work at the same quality that I'd already been giving them. It is a huge red flag. Like, just pause Mm -hmm. in that story. It is a huge red flag if somebody celebrates perfectionism in Mm -hmm. you. That, That is something that I've come to learn through a series of like frankly professional heartbreaks mm-hmm. where like I just couldn't figure out why something wouldn't work for me and I realized it was because like I feel like a lot of people especially women are perfectionists like we're kind of forced to grow up with this idea that we have to do it all it's mm-hmm. not just an option we have to do it all we have to be the prettiest we have to be the smartest we have to be the funniest we have to be the, like the coolest we have to be perfect in every capacity when like having that expectation for yourself sets you up for failure completely so if somebody's just like saying to you like well we love that you work so hard we love that you're like willing to burn yourself out because it's going to be so such great quality work it's like actually you're exploiting me yeah (laughs) and it's such a black and white mindset and I take full ownership for like putting putting Mm. myself on a pedestal essentially yeah but if I wasn't performing at that high level Mm -hmm. like I was doing a bad job so I was either excelling Mm -hmm. or or just coasting like there was no in between right whereas like people are a lot more complicated like that Mm -hmm. than that and you have good days you have bad days you have high energy days you have low energy days there's some days where I'll be on like a two-hour crunch (laughs) yeah and be like I just completed like so much work for the week and mm-hmm. I'm really proud of this. And there's other days where it takes me 30 minutes to write one email because <laughs> I'm just struggling to find the right words yeah. and I'm trying to be so careful. Yeah. Do you have any strategies for setting expectations for yourself? Well, you know, because I made you do this <laughs> last night. So I and I do have to apologize because I am a type A person. I've been in denial about that for a long time, but I am a type A person. And I like to, no matter what I'm doing, 
whether it's in my personal life, professional life, or like fun little side stuff like this, I always want to operate from an area of intention. Like Mm -hmm. if I don't feel very deliberate about what I'm doing, I'm not going to have the motivation to do it to the best of my ability. Let's say that. So poor Kelly, last night I like texted you and I was like, hey, like, I think we should have a sit down and just talk about season two. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah. And I know in your head, you're like, we're going to have a couple beers. Like we're going (laughs) to hang out where you're like, we're going to cook dinner. And then I was like, that sounds lovely. I've prepared an itinerary (laughs) for us. There were post-it notes everywhere. Yeah. Actually, can I dilly dally? Of course. So first dilly dally of the season, by the way, congratulations. <laughs> um, so the hilarious thing is Lisa makes fun of herself for being type A <laughs> and I'm a very type B person. So again, like that balance really works. Yeah. But it also means that sometimes like this is our pattern for podcasting. <laughs> I go pick up Lisa we drive to the library. We're never on time because my hamartia is I can, I never check Google Maps yeah. at the time I actually need to drive. But yeah, we're always like five, five to ten minutes late. We get here. I log in using my library card. Mm-hmm. Lisa always has to go to the front desk because there's never the right amount of time on the clock. And while she's doing that to get the clock reset... I'm filling in our planning sheet that I was supposed to do the day before. Yes, the planning sheet that I prep for you <laughs> with the entire format of everything. But, no. you know, that's just how I work, though. Like, I need to have a plan of action. And honestly, that's been, when it comes to setting my own goals, that has been the biggest asset for me is just have a rough plan, whether it's talking about, like, you know, John and I have the day free and like, what are we going to do with our day? If if we're just left to our own devices, because John is a type B person, if I just like leave him to his own devices and like don't plan anything, we end up like sitting on the couch, marathoning Bob's Burgers and smoking <laughs> weed all day, which don't get me wrong. I love that. That's some of my best days mm-hmm. have been just hanging out with him doing but that. When that's your routine, that's yeah. not dedicated rest. That's not rest. And that's also not a that's not something I can put my name on at the end of the day and feel really good like I really took a step forward today like that's rest that's great but you know we only get so many hours on this earth if Mm -hmm. there's something you want to do like be intentional about it like make a point of actually doing it like make yourself proud but all that is to say so last night we were planning out you know what do we want from season two we also did like a little soft review of season one and how that went and I will say after talking with you about season two I actually feel like I can tell people I'm a podcaster now. Like it Mm -hmm. really feels more real to me now because we have that plan of like, these are the topics we're going to do. You know, this is the stuff we're going to try to do like on social media. And this is how we're going to have like our Patreon set up and like, you know, just all these cool things that we want to give to like our audience. Now I actually feel like it's in the realm of possibility that it's actually going to happen. So it gets me more, I I don't know if you can tell I'm pretty fired up to talk about it right now. We have a business plan. (laughs) We do. Oh my gosh. We're so grown up. What are, what are some of your goals this year? Oh, so, okay. Do you want to hear how insane I am? <laughs> so I do um, goals for the new moon, the full moon. I do monthly total goals. I also do um, six month goals, one year, five year, 10 year. So I have like my whole life <laughs> mapped out right now. But the goals for 2023, um, I really want to write a fiction book. And mm. that has been something you have seen 
the scary wall in my writing room at our house. The planning wall. The planning wall, which is full of sticky notes. I'm surprised it doesn't have string all over it. <laughs> um, there was a string version, but we couldn't handle it with the cats. It, oh, it turned yes. into a whole thing, and I had a meltdown, so now I just do sticky notes, or I do sticky notes in poster paper. But I will be writing a fiction book. Um, I really want to focus on paying off debt this year, because this is the first time in my adult life, outside of like immediately after university, that I've had more than $1,000 in debt, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And that's on money trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the the goal that I am most emotionally invested in and I feel is going to be the best for me overall is I really want to focus on fostering deeper friendships this mm-hmm. year. Um, I feel like I really, the pandemic really fucked with my head, and it also hit hit in my life at a point where like naturally a lot of friendships would have like went their separate ways. So when I came out of the pandemic, I kind of or out of quarantine phase of the pandemic, I I really feel like I felt like I had nobody at all. And I was really lonely. And I feel like I was kind of like scared to make mm-hmm. friends for a long time. And now I'm finally at the point where like that's no longer something scary to me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to keep exploring that feeling and keep like being vulnerable and putting myself out there and but that's something that I want to I'm saying it on the podcast because I want to be held accountable for yes. it so everybody talk to me about my book about my debt and about all the cool friends I now have yeah <laughs> what, what are your goals well I think the cool thing with goal setting is for me I do a lot better with setting like long-term big picture goals mm. and then coming up with a system to track progress um Mm. but I have to do it passively like I'm the type of person that will I texted you about this but I get a new like a gender day planner and like this is gonna change my life Mm -hmm. and the one I got is very good but Mm -hmm. what I like about day planners is not updating them because Mm -hmm. usually I have to get the ones where it's like a week out of view yeah because there's no chance I'm looking at that week view more than once. Like, I'm filling right. in the whole week at once. <laughs> yeah. But when we were sitting down planning yesterday, I actually found my 2020 journal. Oh, my God, yeah. Where I I think that was – I was very dedicated to yeah. journaling and tracking things. And it was really funny to see the phases I was going through <laughs> because I start off being like, mm. these are the goals I have set. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. And then, obviously, everything changed rapidly. Like, my, like, plan that I had in mind of, like, mm. moving to Vancouver, experiencing big city life, like, yeah. was quickly shattered because it was 2020. Yeah. Um. So the reality of, like, what was available to me was just very different than than Mm -hmm. what I had imagined which is fine but we were going through the (laughs) goals that I had written out in July Mm -hmm. because at that point things had kind of opened up right we were overly optimistic (laughs) pretty much very soon went went back into more of a shutdown Uh, trauma Um, yeah but the top three goals from that were like foster a sense of community Mm -hmm. explore the city I'm living in nice And then nothing to do with career goals. Yeah. And the second half of that journal was like notes from webinars, notes from coaching (laughs) sessions. And there was just like, you could tell when my brain had just like, just shut down and I wasn't being creative. Mm. I wasn't kind of stretched in, in those capacities. And I was just focused on like the functional. But I also feel like, okay, I don't ever set goals with the like mindset of like, if this doesn't happen, I'm a failure and like a terrible Mm -hmm. human being. Because like, 
you also have to recognize that like we're all actively growing. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, 20, if you're 50, like we're all growing and changing all the time. And like, for example, my journal, when I was 20 years old, I was fully like committed to, I thought I would live in another city. Hilarious. I thought I would be a teacher, which is, (laughs) I can't imagine now. I thought I would marry like the boyfriend I had then. And like, I had planned for all that and I didn't do a single one of those things. Because you realized some bigger dreams of yours. The first Taylor Swift reference of season two. And I've definitely used that one before, (laughs) but it's so good. The first episode of season one. It fits too well. But like, here's the thing. Like when you, you have to think of your life as like a story and maybe Mm -hmm. this is just me like being a writer but when I like map out the plot of a novel I'm writing it's more so like this makes sense to happen here because of what's just happened before so like when I was in university and getting close to finishing my undergrad and I had my my little English degree that I had no idea what I was going to do with that (laughs) I was like well I've heard of a lot of other people becoming teachers after they get their English degree and like that might make sense and then that raising my hand (laughs) that's you but then it's also like and then that will allow me to move to Kelowna and then like I'll get that part set up so like you can only plan for what makes sense in in the moment even like looking at my life a year ago I thought I was going to stay at that job for like five years at least and I ended up leaving it less than a year later yeah. So, like, this, the plot you're currently following right now, you can only follow it in terms of, like, what you know about yourself in this moment. Like, for all you know, there might be, like, a random, like, side quest that comes out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. now it makes more sense to go on this little dilly-dally. Or, like, you meet someone new, and they change your plans. So, like, I think the most important thing with goal setting is, like, to remember it's incredibly arbitrary and yeah. has no real grounding in reality until you actually start doing it. Can we talk about side quests for a second? Yes, always. I love the concept to the point that Mm. I have started. It has become part of my work jargon. Yes. So I will be on calls (laughs) with customers and it'll pop up. Mm -hmm. But like everyone understands what I mean. So I think I'm keeping it. But the whole (laughs) point of a side quest in video games or Mm -hmm. in stories is that the hero doesn't have the skills yet to accomplish the big goal. The main goal, yeah. So they're going off to build those skills to discover something new about themselves Mm -hmm. and then return to the main storyline. Yeah, just because you set a goal doesn't mean, like, your whole life has to be about accomplishing that goal. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but side quests are only side quests Mm. if you complete them with something that is going to help you grow and develop. Even if it's not, like, stepping you forward directly, Mm -hmm. but just giving you that capacity to accomplish what you need. Yeah. And I think, for me, I get distracted by side quests, and sometimes Mm. I get mixed up between a side quest. And the main plot. (laughs) Well, and just a distraction. Yeah. So something that's, like, pulling you away from accomplishing the big thing. Can I tell you, for up until literally last weekend... Like, Mm -hmm. literally last weekend, the amount of shame I felt about pursuing side quests Mm -hmm. was something that I think really stopped me. So, like, we all know my story. Season one, I had, like, just left my job, and I was like, I'm going to be creative full-time. Like, I'm ready to take the leap. I want to do this. And then kind of reality set in, and I was like, oh, shoot, like... 
we're a single income household and we just lost that income. Like John's in school. He can't work a ton. And I was like, huh, how am I going to like make this work? And I kind of reached the point where I was like, I'm getting more burnt out having to struggle and freelance and like fight to try to find money Mm-hmm. that it's almost like not like I'm not able to be creative because I'm so tired. And then I was like, am I going to have to get like a night or like waste my time at another nine to five job? And I was just like, was all this for nothing? Am I failing again? If I go and pursue the side quest, does that say something about me, about what I create, that it's not good enough? I just had like this whole big painful complex about it when like realistically I could actually go and get a job that will like, not be a nine to five, but could really foster my creativity. I don't have to work it full time if I don't want to. The only thing I know is like, okay, the next chapter of my story is, hey, Lisa needs to pay some bills and also <laughs> put some food on the table. Like that's all we know. It doesn't have to like definitively like define my character in some way. Like sometimes you can just dilly dally for the sake of a dilly dally because that's what you need to do to move the plot along. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I am one of those people who I love my okay I have a nine to five ish I call it because I work from home a lot of my team is in Ontario so Mm -hmm. I work like a loose eight to four in that if I don't have zoom calls till 10 a.m like (laughs) you're not working (laughs) yeah like I'm probably more likely to shift like Mm. do a nine to five like but if I have a busy day like I start at eight and Mm -hmm. go till four But I have the flexibility and freedom to manage my day. Yeah. And the fact that I am given that freedom Mm -hmm. makes me accountable to doing my, like, 40, well, 35 hours of work a week. Because I I actually take lunches at this job. Who la la. Look at you, lunch hour queen. (laughs) But I think it's, like, that's how I grew up is, like, Mm -hmm. you're at school Monday to Friday had activities every day of the week and Mm. I was in clubs every lunch hour right so it'd be like Mondays was knitting club Tuesdays (laughs) was chess you should not be surprised that these are not intramural activities (laughs) I was just thinking Wednesdays were Irish dance (laughs) that was the one physical intramural oh and then yeah but that's how I grew up and Mm. then I learned to fit in my hobbies around that yeah so what I'm finding as an adult is that if I have too much free time in my schedule, yeah. all I do is dilly-dally and mm-hmm. I put no effort towards my hobbies and the things I think are fun. Yes. So having a regular schedule, like mm-hmm. recording the podcast on a specific day, mm-hmm. I hang out with my oldest friend every Thursday mm-hmm. and just having those like regular points within my week and then room for, for flexibility well, you is wanna, necessary. You want to know something? I think that's the reason why... Like, when we took a break from the podcast, I was struggling so much. Like, I don't think I, like, it was really weird. We, like, barely talked (laughs) the whole time we weren't recording. It was really weird. But I feel like because I had the lack of structure, that was what really got to me. Because all of a sudden, it was like, I was super burnt out from freelance work. I was doing, like, I did Rover, you guys. I highly recommend. If Mm -hmm. you want to be a pet sitter, go do Rover. It's, like, super easy, super fun. But I just, like, I suddenly had nothing to do all the time. And it was, like the extra free time, like I could have started writing my book. I could have like sat down and made like a whole like debt payoff plan. I I could have texted people to like mm-hmm. hang out. But for some reason, I just like couldn't even handle that. 
and honestly, you analysis know, paralysis, analysis paralysis. And I just had like this big, like funk hanging over me where it was like, well, now I have nothing to do. And like, once again, I'm at home, like pandemic mindset. And like, now what do I do with myself? But you want to know how I filled the time? How? Wait, let me guess. <laughs> did you play The Sims? I did do some Sims. Okay. I'm not going to lie, but that was more of an evening thing. No, I got really into meditation. Like, mm. way, and I've always been into it, but, like, a different level. Like, I mastered the, like, really intense trance form of meditation. And Okay, but you're going to laugh. Do you want to know what I fucking did? When I, so, okay, I have, like, a happy face, place that I go and I, like, meditate to. And I, while I was meditating, I had a vision. So, like, the happy face is, like, um, it's a meadow surrounded by forest and then there's like a very large like stump in the middle of the forest of the Why meadow am I picturing the twilight meadow honestly it kind of <laughs> looks like the twilight meadow it's a little less like blue green tint like I'm more of like a yellow pink girly like mm-hmm. that's how I see it but I was like meditating sitting at that stump like it was a table and I had a giant like tortoise spirit thing come out of nowhere do you want to know what we did we did my 10-year plan Kelly (laughs) me and this weird hallucination I had also done some drugs guys I'm not gonna lie I smoked a ton of weed before I did this but that was what got me out of the funk was just like actually giving myself the time to plan you don't necessarily need to plan while under the influence (laughs) and in a deep meditative state but it helped yeah (laughs) I am, I actually, have I told you I can't meditate? At all? Because I, so my mundane superpower Mm. is that I can sleep anywhere and I have the deepest sleeps. Like if I need to get up earlier than usual, I chug water at bedtime so that when my alarm goes off, like I have to get out of bed. Oh my God, I hate you. I'm the lightest sleeper in the world. It is such an asset because sleep is so important to like your emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. But every time I've tried to do meditation... I fall asleep. Like, I went to a, a yin yoga class <laughs> two weeks ago with my cousin. <laughs> like, a hot yoga class. Oh, that'll do it. Like. And we were doing a stretch where we were, like, kind of on our stomach, like, but stretching mm-hmm. our hip flexors. Mm-hmm. I woke up, and the whole class was in a completely new position, <laughs> facing a different direction. <laughs> and my cousin was just laughing at me because I'm looking around all be- all bewildered. <laughs> You're like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> And that's, like, that's something, I hope that skill never leaves. I'm sure as I get older, I'll probably have to go up to, like, get up to go to the bathroom at least once or twice. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm honestly very jealous. But also, like, that's, sleep can be meditation, too. Because it's still rest. But I thought it was because I'm just such a relaxed person. And then I chill vibe. thought about it and I was like, it's probably like my um, sleep debt catching up to me. Oh. So this was the week before I went on vacation oh. that we went to this class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, like <laughs> I do need. So like on this vacation, like I slept from like 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. All week. Oh, Kelly. It was I'm so glorious. proud. I'm so proud. People, like, honestly, the first step to, I think, setting a goal is starting out with how many hours of sleep mm-hmm. would, do you need a night and, like, start trying to get those. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, when you are well-rested, it's so much easier to actually, like, have the energy, amazingly, to, like, go after what you want and be motivated because you aren't, like... I don't feel like it or like I don't have the energy. Well, and when you don't have brain fog, you get things done so much more efficiently. Yeah. That like 
having that proper sleep is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the coach I'm working with right now, I told her all about this like morning routine that I wanted to do that I thought would get me on track. Yeah. And I tried it for a week and I was like, I'm not a morning person. So it's actually my <laughs> bedtime routine yeah. because it doesn't matter if I'm being accountable in the morning if mm-hmm. I didn't go to bed at a reasonable time the night before. I think, honestly, you bringing up the morning person versus the evening person thing, I think, honestly, getting to know yourself and understanding when you're the most productive or when you're most likely to have the capacity mm-hmm. to do what it is that you want to do, I think that's so important. So, like, one of the big kind of pressure points in John and my's relationship is John is a morning person. Like he, without an alarm, will get up every morning dead on 5 a.m., if not earlier. Like he can get up four in the morning and be like ready to start I can the day. I do that if I have a plane to catch. I know. And he's like, you know, um, pre-pandemic, he would like get up super early and he would do yoga, like stretch it out in our living room. He would sip on coffee. He then goes to a yoga class or goes to the gym. And then like he comes back at around nine when I'm just getting up because I am a night owl. Like, Mm -hmm. I am most likely to be productive between 9 and 11 p.m. Like, that's my time. Midnight's become your afternoons. Ah, yes, (laughs) yes. But, like, the challenge for me is after we've moved in, it's like one of those things has to give. And are we getting up together or are we going to bed? to bed together I want to go to bed with my boyfriend (laughs) I will not be getting up at 4 a.m though but I have been trying to train myself to get up early it's going okay (laughs) I've started drinking coffee I never drank coffee before this year but yeah I think like learning yourself and I think also the self-acceptance factor Mm -hmm. of going after your goals and Mm -hmm. setting goals I think it's really important to you kind of have to accept the fact that you you aren't always going to win like failure is part of the equation and arguably I think it's the more important part of the equation because if you're not failing you're not trying hard enough well no you aren't learning if you don't fail and it's not that you have to put yourself into like high-risk situations in order to accomplish what you're doing like there's Mm -hmm. many people out there who are highly successful just from doing what they can when they can and Mm -hmm. taking those like smaller steps yeah but if you're always being careful and cautious then you're not really learning or growing which Mm. is something like I'm a pretty cautious person a lot Mm -hmm. of the time so that's something that I have to work on because sometimes just leaning into those stretch moments Mm -hmm. and not letting myself overthink the outcome because sometimes I will imagine doing something Mm -hmm. imagine all the possibilities fixate on the worst one which is also (laughs) usually the least likely yeah and then just like I let the fear of striking out stop me from playing the game. Yes, that yes. Was that Duff. was a Hillary Duff well, quote. <laughs> it was a, someone else quote originally. But. No, it was said by Hillary Duff. She was the first one to say <laughs> yeah, it. Cinderella yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, Cinderella story came up with that quote. But no, I think it's it's like your brain is designed to keep you in a box in mm-hmm. many ways. And like your brain only knows your reality as it stands right now. That's how it mm-hmm. feels safest. And I think not a lot of people realize that like we are if we're in a safe space, our brains and our bodies are hardwired to keep us there. Mm-hmm. Like they like it when we're there. Our our brains, our bodies, they don't like when we put ourselves out there and take risks. That is a scary feeling to our body, to our nervous system. So like when you decide 
you want to do something, you're not just putting the intention out there and following through it. You, it is an uphill battle mm -hmm. against every internal system. And like, that's a skill you need to mm -hmm. practice getting com comfortable with being vulnerable, with taking risks, with putting yourself out there and having, you know, the, the idea or the risk that somebody is going to laugh at you or you're going to fail or it's not going to turn out the way you want it to. Like, that takes practice to get mentally okay with it. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask if you know the flower metaphor. No, what's a flower metaphor? So if you're planting flowers and trying to grow a garden, mm. you plant the flowers, you water them, you add fertilizer, you make sure they're getting lots of sunlight. Mm -hmm. And then when they grow and finally blossom, you don't dig them out and start again. Right. You enjoy them. So there was a TikTok that we both saw. It was this person and I'll have to look up who the who the creator was mm. talking about how all of the coping strategies and positive life mm. habits that she had built in to cope with the end of an era yeah in order to truly be happy mm -hmm. she had to know when to let go of those so mm. I think there's a lot of times when having extra structure and mindfulness in your routine is really important. But mm -hmm. there's also times when you need to just let yourself bloom and enjoy it and mm -hmm. actually implement things into practice. Because for me, I once I start adding things to my routine mm -hmm. that are beneficial and making me feel better, it's almost like you're chasing that dopamine rush yeah. of like, okay, this feels great. So what can I add next? What do I add to this to-do list? Yeah. And if you if you don't allow yourself time to just like settle into what's mm -hmm. working, then you add too much and then you just get overwhelmed and then you stop doing any of it. Yeah, no. And that's like this is reminding me of something. Did I ever tell you the story of how I got my driver's license? No. <laughs> OK, so I was I was humiliated for years over the fact that I couldn't drive to the point where I convinced myself that I just didn't want to. So when we're talking about like you do have to like accept that whenever you go after a new goal and step outside your comfort zone, like you, you have to do so with the understanding that things are going to change mm -hmm. and change is good. I know all of us hate change, but change is actually like the most beneficial thing you can bring to your life. So when I was 16, like I, I got my learners really like immediately, basically. Yeah. I got my learners when I was, I think, 14. Yeah. For context, we live in Alberta. Yes. You can get your learners at 14. You can drive alone after passing a road test at 16. Yes. Yeah. So 16 is when you get like your full driver's license or like I think when we Slight were restrictions. when we were growing up, it was like 14 is your learners. 16 is like driver's license. Part one, don't drive after midnight and absolutely no alcohol. And you need to have somebody in the front seat if it's like late after a certain point in time. I got my like learners really quickly, mm -hmm. but I was like dragging my feet on getting my driver's license. Like part of it was like my family just didn't have a car for me to drive. So there wasn't really like an appeal to it. I was like, listen, like it's either like bus everywhere, bum rides off friends or like share a car with my brother. And I your older brother? My older brother. Your older, bigger brother? <laughs> My older, bigger brother. Nobody wanted that. But it got to the point where I st still didn't have my driver's license when I was 20 years old. And at that point, the pressure kind of started to set in. And, like, when I turned 18, I got really deep into the party lifestyle. And for a long time, it was, like, my running joke with people whenever they asked me, like, 
why don't you have your driver's license? Like, this is getting weird. Like, you're an adult. You could buy your own car. And my running joke was always like, well, you know, you can't be the designated driver if you don't have a license. Like, and that was my big thing. And like, looking back on that, I think, first of all, that was such a problematic, like, mindset to have. Like, I was never the DD for any of my friends. And I was always getting falling down drunk. And like, it just wasn't cool to do that. But I think when I was 21, I got my license because I needed a full proper license to go to Las Vegas with my friends. Mm. So that was kind of my motivation. And it kind of surprised me. Like I, I had done a lot of like test driving with my dad. Like he used to always, if we were in the car together, he would make me drive. And it used to really bother me. And I remember the feeling of just shame when I took my first test and we weren't even out of the parking lot and I didn't come to a full stop at a stop sign exiting the parking lot. And I had failed before I even left the parking lot. And the instructor told me and still made me write the whole test or like drive the whole test. They told you before. Yeah. They told me like oh. immediately. So I was like, well, can I like restart the test? And they're like, no, you have to finish it. So I like the first time I wrote, drove the full test, I actually drove it crying because I was so embarrassed that like I had thought it would be so easy to pass because like I had the learners for so long and like I had kind of been driving, but like not really. And then like just that immediately you fail. I was so humiliating. And I remember seeing like the look on my dad's face when I came back and like what killed me is I had done the rest of the tests absolutely perfectly. But it was because I made one mistake, I failed it instantly. And, like, just seeing the disappointment on his face, too, like, really hurt in, like, a very profound way that I wasn't even expecting to be that emotionally invested in. And then when I wrote the test for a second time, I was so anxious about failing that I actually... (laughs) had to pull over after parallel parking like I parallel parked and had to lean out the door and vomit because I was so anxious about it and I just like developed this huge complex around like I'm gonna keep on failing for the rest of my life I'm never gonna get this I'm gonna miss out on this huge milestone I'm not gonna have this license or for like Vegas my friends are gonna be let down I'm gonna be like stuck at a standstill and it developed this huge like mind of its own where I was just not only like scared of driving scared of letting people down I didn't I was scared of getting the independence and I was also scared that I was gonna be the drunk friend forever and it by the time I wrote I wrote the third test one month before we went to Vegas and it is a miracle that my driver's license arrived before we left like I don't I got super lucky but that feeling of failure is something that like I've carried around and like how that felt to fail so many times but I'm actually really happy it took me that long to pass it because like While I was busy being scared and, you know, just being like, I'm never going to drive. My dad was the one who like was like, no, where you're going to drive me to Safeway. Like, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep pushing. And at the time I was like, fuck you, dad. (laughs) But like now I'm like, especially he's older. He's like a little on the sick side now, too. But I'm like, man, I got so many extra hours of like one on one dad time that I never would have had if I hadn't bombed that test so many times. I think it's really important that like when we're talking about going after a goal and having the possibility of failure be on the the table, I think it's also important to look at 
okay, but like sometimes it's good to have the dilly dally of the failure. Because to this day, I am a top-notch parallel parker. Like, I can parallel park better than I can, like, pull into, like, a random uh, parking lot stall. I'm not very good at that, to be mm. honest. But every time I parallel park, I think of my dad and, like, yeah, and I'm just so happy that I failed so yeah. many times. I was also a little slow to get my license, so... I hear that beautiful girls are really slow to get their license. That's <laughs> yeah. a word on the street. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Um, but it was because I refused to read the driver's ed book. Why? <laughs> I just did the online practice quizzes, so it yeah. took me three tries to get my learner's license. Oh, Which yeah. is, looking back, like, I was like, just, I'm good at reading. Mm-hmm. I'm quick at reading. Like, I should have been <laughs> fine. just done it. Yeah. And then my sister and I just didn't get around to taking, like, the in-class lessons. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't sign up for the in-car lessons till we were 16. Oh. And it is worth doing them here because then 100%. it's way cheaper for insurance. Yeah. So we were 16 already by the time we did that. Mm-hmm. And we had a friend who lived just outside the city. So mm-hmm. there was no point for me to have a license yeah. because we were on her way in from the city, like wherever we were oh going, my God. it made sense for her to pick us up. Right. So I was kind of lazy about it. I also wouldn't have had a car in high school. Mm. Actually, no. My dad bought a new car when I was mm-hmm. like 13 and parked his old car at my grandma's. Yeah. But I think I don't think my parents would have let us drive mm-hmm. to our high school. We could have had vehicle access, but mm-hmm. the parking lot was not big enough. And the traffic getting in and out of there was such a hot mess that they were like, just take the bus. Yeah. Anyways, so the next summer, I was ready to get my license. I was too scared to do the test in the winter, even Mm. though realistically you should do it in the winter because everyone drives slower and more carefully. Yeah. And it probably would have been easier. (laughs) But I was just, I was too scared about driving in the snow or like sliding Mm. on ice and missing a stop sign. Yeah. And then last minute, I went and worked at a summer camp for four months. Oh, we were just talking about this on the yeah. car right over. Whoa. And the only vehicle that I needed that would get driven out there is a truck that mm. was drive getting driven on camp property, and it wasn't even registered. Oh, my because God. Because it didn't, it didn't leave <laughs> camp property. Fair, fair. So... No one cared that I only had my learners because yeah. they were like, they're... What are you going to hit? <laughs> like, maybe a horse. <laughs> and oh. you would see that coming. No, they stayed Fair. away from this truck. Fair. So the funny thing was, it mm. snowed all the way to camp. And then it snowed, like, Shut like up. a month after I got home. So oh. I got home at the end of August. Yeah. I thought I had, like, a couple months to, like, get my test booked in to practice a bit. Mm-mm. So I practiced... I was ready to book my test, snows, and big dump of snow that stayed. Oh, so I was no. like, okay, like, I'm just going to wait till next summer. Yeah. Um. So I had a lot of time to practice, so I was feeling really confident. Mm. And just like you, I was really good at parallel parking. I yeah. could not park between lines. Yeah, Because the right corner of my car, like, we drive mm. on the right side of the road, sitting in the left side of the yeah. car. Yeah, That right corner of the car, mm. no idea where it was. <laughs> So my mom and I went to the parking lot of the registry like three days a week for two weeks straight so I could practice pulling in and backing out of all the spots. Oh, wow. Um, I go to write my test turn on the windshield wipers instead of the lights. So oh. First first points docked. Oh, my God. And then 
the only other mistake I made mm-hmm. was I was at a T intersection where mm-hmm. the road I was on was a two way, but the road we were facing was a one way. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting to turn left. The light changed red while I was still watching the traffic flow. So oh, I oh. I took my foot off the brake, noticed, and put it back down. Oh. So I, but I hadn't pulled all the way up to the stop line. And my driver's ed person was like, I have to take off like five points for anticipating. But he was like, you had enough of a buffer. He was like, that yeah. would have been an automatic fail oh, if you shit. hadn't stopped so far back. Oh, <laughs> um, oh my God. Especially because he was like, I'll acknowledge that when it turned yellow, mm. everyone on the one way rushed to the light. So I couldn't have cleared the yeah. light anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. when it was green. Yeah. And then did the impeccable parallel park. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I have some demerits. Mm. I was like, I can't fail parking between the lines. Yeah. Because that, that'll be too many points. Like Oh my God. So I'm really stressed that this is like I'm getting like old like PTSD from yeah. my driver's test. Right so we now. drive back to the registry. <laughs> yeah. I turn off and I'm on the driveway. Mm-hmm. There's a parking spot straight ahead and the instructor goes, Oh, look, just go right there. And I like pulled in, yeah, parked the car. And my mom had been, like, sitting on a bench waiting, and she gave me a thumbs up. You, like, nailed it. Oh, um, my God. So when you when you fail at something, like, what's your, what's your like, go-to reaction? I used to be really hard on myself, mm. and that took a long time to get through. Mm-hmm. But then the older you get, the more you realize that a lot of the pressure that you put on yourself to yeah. achieve is not fake, mm-hmm. but... They're metrics that you've imposed on yourself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this doesn't apply to your day job. Yeah. Because you usually have pretty clearly defined goals and responsibilities. Yeah. But even just executing something but not in the way I thought mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. was really hard for me for a while. But then I started teaching. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, I don't care how one of my students learned something. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that they eventually got there. Yeah. And... If a student struggled to learn something and then we finally figured out a strategy that worked for them, Mm. they're going to retain that knowledge and information a lot better than a student who just understood something on the first try Mm -hmm. and didn't really have to, like, use their full brain capacity to figure things out. So you view failure as As a learning opportunity. I was going to say as a tool, which is kind of how I approach it. So the way I'm approaching failure is actually changing right now. So this is Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to talk about. So I think for a long time, especially before I had like hopped on the like meditation, self-improvement, like just trying to be a better person, whenever I failed at anything, I, I kind of like fell victim to the mean voice in my head. And I would believe every every nasty thing it told me. Um, like for example, like I asked my ex-boyfriend to marry me I was like I want to be married by 25 if you aren't gonna marry me like we can't be together and that was why we broke up and for a long time I like felt so much shame of like you failed at 
this goal you have, which also should not have been a goal in the first place. Like I can't imagine being 25 and married. That is so not like my path at all. Mm -hmm. But at the time it felt really important to my, my family and to some friends I had at the time that I followed that path. So I really believe that like, because I didn't accomplish that goal, there was something inherently wrong with me. And I was unlovable. I was ugly. I, you know, I would never be married. Like I really used to fall victim to the negative voice in my head and it used to just play like on repeat in my head until I did something to make it stop. And usually the thing that I did was drink or go and sleep around. Like those are my go-to coping mechanisms for a long time. Lately, what I've been trying to reframe any failure that happens, A, I always like to think like this is a learning opportunity. Like if I was writing a book and my character wanted what I wanted and instead this thing happened, why would I as the author make that happen? So try to view it almost like you said as an opportunity in mm-hmm. some way. But, you know, as I've been getting a little more spiritual, let's say, I like to reframe it as a, okay, well, like this didn't work out. That must mean something even better for me is coming mm-hmm. along now. And like, yeah, like I feel like some people might view that as like very like hopelessly optimistic and like naive, but like honestly, look at what happened with the marriage thing. (laughs) I thought I was going to marry that asshole. And like, thank God it didn't because now I got the opportunity to be with John. And like, that's my case study where it's like something better did come along. And if I look back on my life, anytime where I really wanted a job and I didn't get it, I ended up working somewhere else that was even better for me and taught me more things Mm -hmm. or like friendships that I had to let go. Like right before I met you, like I was dealing with a thing where like mass amounts of friends were leaving my life for good. And I was so lonely. And I was like, when am I going to find a friend who just sees me? Enter Kelly. Like, you know, I just honestly think anybody can look back on their life and be like, you know, I'm glad Mm -hmm. it didn't work out. I'm glad I failed. You know, I'm glad that all this shit got washed away so the good stuff can come in. And we met when I hadn't officially moved back to Edmonton, but Mm -hmm. I had committed to moving back to Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So it was really good timing where, and I'm still going through this, where I was gone for almost three years because I was in Vancouver for a year Mm -hmm. and then in Saskatoon for a year and a half. And then there was kind of that six-year gap of, like, Mm -hmm. I was here, but I wasn't settled. I call it, um, I was squatting in my parents' basement (laughs) is how I refer to that that era. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really have, like, a defined schedule or routine yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once I became settled, there was, like, more room to explore. Mm -hmm. Now I'm realizing that a lot of the things that I did when I last lived here in 2019, a lot of places have closed Mm -hmm. or there's new construction and Mm -hmm. just the ways you have to navigate the city have changed. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like it's... So the goals that I set back in 2020, Mm -hmm. I've almost come full circle to, but I'm in a completely different environment Mm -hmm. and opportunities and more mature (laughs) so the way that I approach them I feel like I actually have capacity to execute them Mm -hmm. in a way that is better for me but not the way I imagined back then yeah I think it's important when you when you're setting goals like we mentioned earlier it's it's also really important to be like you can plan things out like I do down to the most like minute Mm -hmm. detail 
But at the end of the day, you are going to have to accept the possibility that things will not work out the way you want them to. And there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, a lot of the time that's actually like a better option because Mm -hmm. more opportunities are going to become available to you just if you try. Like you should always try to go after a goal, but if it doesn't work out, it means there's something else that's going to fit even better. Like you can't force things to fall into place. As much as I would love for that to work, you can't force it. You just have to surrender and say, listen, if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. You can place the bet on the roulette table, but if it doesn't fall on your co- your color, your number, whatever, that's okay too. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just fun to take the gamble. Yeah. Yeah. And so to draw the line, yeah. what I'm focusing on this year mm-hmm. is not basing my sense of like success mm-hmm. on what's on paper mm-hmm. and thinking instead about how things are making me feel. So mm-hmm. something Brenna said in a coaching session. Hey, Brenna. <laughs> her strategy, she literally cups her hands in front of her and holds the feelings mm. to make sure that they're getting acknowledged. Um, because I was describing it like a situation that I was going through. Mm-hmm. And she was like, on paper, this sounds great, but your tone of voice and your body language are not happy with this. Yeah, so let's hold that feeling for and a I moment. Was, but yeah. I was trying to hype it up. <laughs> and she was like, no, you're just gaslighting yourself right <laughs> like, now. Stop, stop. Because you think that this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's my goal is to just feel the feelings, mm-hmm. but also put myself in situations where – Instead of overthinking things Mm. and then not doing them, Mm -hmm. I do them and then evaluate the feelings after. Yeah. My tarot reader, um, Georgia, she always says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And how that's translated to me and my goals is like, if if I don't write my fiction book, if I somehow, God forbid, finish with like finish the year with triple the amount of debt I currently have. And you know what the the only good friend I've or the only friendship deepening I managed to do is like us getting closer. I will be happy as long as I can look back on the time and say, you know what, I really tried. Mm-hmm. Like I know I tried. I think the only failure you have to fear is honestly not trying. Mm -hmm. at all because you aren't getting anything done sitting on the couch smoking weed watching Bob's Burgers like you're just not yeah it's important to rest and like you gotta you know play as hard as you work but at the end of the day nothing's gonna happen if you don't take that first step forward just keep moving forward and I think you know when we talk about goals it's also important to remember you are not going to achieve your goals the second you set the intention it does take hard work it takes dedication it takes consistency you know, you, you can't just write something down on a piece of paper and poof, it's going to manifest in reality. You have to keep trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To wrap us up, so every teacher has a broken record line that they use in the classroom. Oh, do tell. Mine was, try your best. And my small win from my current job that I'm in mm-hmm. is every Friday we have a whole company team meeting mm-hmm. where it's a chance to um, kind of share an updates, reflect on the week, and just make sure everyone kind of understands what's going on yeah. so that we have that sense of togetherness as a remote company. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks after I started, when I was a pretty new employee, they were they had asked everyone to kind of evaluate the, the polling system we were using, like the interactive poll, where you identified different adjectives for how you were feeling that week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would really like to have trying my best on that list oh my god (laughs) and now that is permanently on the list so every Friday I see that option and it makes me smile because Mm -hmm. it's 
such it feels like such a small thing mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter what you accomplish on paper as long as you feel good about the effort you put in yes mm-hmm. and I honestly can't think of a better way to close than that so if if you are out there and trying to set a goal and trying to keep going just try your just best. try your best you don't have to do anything other than just try every day and some days you'll be you'll have more room to try hard. Some days, you know, the best way to do your best could be to take some rest. Ooh, mm-hmm. that should go on a t-shirt. <laughs> try your best, take some rest. Yes, try your best, do your best. Uh, let's draw the line there. Let's draw the line. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening. <laughs>